With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello! Welcome to the MMQB NFL Podcast. I don't have to yell it as loud now because we're in the same and room. I, yeah, I'm yeah. not looking through a screen at you, which is kind of weird. But here ni- we are. It's here nice we're... to see you. I also had a vest on, but I changed out of it. I felt yeah. like that would have looked This too, is like the... The dad in his 40s uniform, the, yeah. the dress shirt with the vest over it. So I'm wearing it proud. I'm working my way into it. Um, I got to see Albert yesterday for the first time at Roger Goodell's press conference. By the way, what we're going to do here today, we're going to recap media night. Mm-hmm. We're going to preview the Super Bowl. We're going to get into some of the stuff that's happening during the week. Um, we'll start with, with Roger Goodell. And, you know, a lot of yeah. people, the invite-only press conference, which we, we got an invite to. This right, is, right. So you're listening to exclusive content here. On the, uh, on the MMQB podcast. We were in the Raiders locker room, and uh, about halfway through, I would say, I, that's my zone out time. Yep. I only got about half an hour in me. This has been true of college. It's been true of high school. I got about half an hour before I start thinking about something else. So I started texting you about halfway through Goodell's press conference about, like, the security situation. And I was wondering, like, could I get close enough to tackle the commissioner? That was like my. That was and we had really a good conver- we had a good conversation about it too. Like there was there was one guy there. I won't, don't want to describe him. I don't want to put myself in any sort of danger. But he yeah. may or may not have seen dead bodies before. <laughs> like I don't, I don't think this guy this guy like looked like looked like he meant business. Kept rubbing his hands like a uh, like a movie criminal. Knuckles. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It was really something. Yeah. But yeah. So we you know I I don't I'm trying to think of. You go to the Goodell press conference every year and you think, this is going to be the easiest thing to write because this guy is going to say something incredibly hypocritical. And then you can just take out your pitchfork and you can say, yeah, you're ruining the NFL. But my takeaway this year was he's gotten so good at saying nothing, nothing. Yep. that, again, like I'm lulled to sleep. Halfway through, I'm thinking about like, you know, what if I try to tackle the commission just to, ex- just to entertain myself? So the, I, what I noticed was the mood swings. Like my question was not didn't go over as well as like the person who asked him when he first started loving football, you know. So um, I think at this point we know what it is. He's a meat shield for the thirty-two owners, right? And that's why the playing surface question was such a third rail for him. It's why the concussion question is such a third rail for him. And um, you know, it's funny. I, I think back to like his earlier days and. 
um, you know, when he became commissioner, it was my second year covering the league. And, you know, I, I can remember when they tried to pretend that he was, like, sort of, like, this, like, figure who was, like, representing everybody. Like Wait, players, he was once the owners. cool guy? Well, he just tried to, like, he tried to convince everybody that he's this steward for not just the owners, but also the front office people, the coaches, the employee, the cafeteria workers, the players. Like, he's a steward of the game and not just an agent of the owners. But that's all gone now. I mean, like, they don't even pretend anymore. I remember our call, you know, our former boss, Peter King, yep. wrote a story about Goodell for Sports Illustrated, and the lead anecdote was Goodell, like, being in a bar fight in, like, Jamestown yeah. or something like that. And I was like, oh, this is the cool commissioner. Uh, not He's so trying much. to, like, paint yeah. him as, like, every man, which right. he clearly isn't, yeah. Roger Goodell may have fared better in college bar fights than me, though. Sounds like he was kind of one he's like a, he's a He's a pretty big guy. He looks like he could handle himself. Big guy, small hands. Yeah. Like he's a guy like Brock Purdy size. Who had the small hands? Brock Purdy? Who was the quarterback with Brock the Brock Purdy did issue? have the hand size issue. But Who was like the high pro? Oh, Kenny high, Pickett. Kenny Pickett, yep. Because he, he had to wear the glove. Pickett has hands. to wear the gloves. Yeah. Kenny Pickett has to wear the gloves to get a grip. I actually like played a little quarterback when I was younger too, not very well, but I, I have smaller hands and I so I actually can actually I, I can actually identify with the hand size issue. I would love it if Roger had gotten hand implants just to look like super powerful at the press. All of a sudden he shows here. up like the incredible just, like, Hulk. Just shakes your yeah. hand like Tony Munoz or something like yeah. that. It's like bam. Um yeah, so he He has kind of a dead fish handshake, by the way. Does he? Yeah, a little bit. I feel like in that position, you gotta like. You have to have a firm handshake. You gotta power. You gotta, you gotta let you know? them know you're there. Yeah. yeah. Um, you had mentioned a little bit of spiciness from him. Like yeah. I thought he did kind of clap back a little bit, but he was in a position where he could. Right. There's only about what 40 of us in this room. Yeah. Right. And normally, when when you go to the Roger Goodell press conference, for those who don't know, it used to just be anyone can show. Right. Up. I mean, it was like almost. Like, I remember there was a year where. It wasn't an airport hangar, but it kind of felt like that yeah. when you walked in. Yeah. And I don't think there was all that much security. You'd see the owners would be hanging out, right? Yeah. Like, the owners would be hanging around. The, I mean, on Monday, the owners aren't even here yet. You right. know what I mean? Like, And it would sort of be like this event that was like a celebration of the game. And it was like, all right, when are we going back to L.A.? When are we, what are we going to do with England? What are we going to do with Germany? All that different stuff. And, um, you know, I, I almost feel like he made this. And their PR team made this more adversarial by doing it this way. So it was like, okay, like, you know, like, and I, I sort of like, I'll be honest, like, I sort of went into it, like, looking for a fight. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, okay, like, if this is going to be that, like, if this is going to be something that way, then I, you know, like, other people aren't here, then we have to ask the tough questions. Otherwise, they're not going to get asked. I used to send around a, uh, a bingo card for the commissioner's press conference. I used to mm-hmm. text my friends every year, and I was like, this is what's going to happen. And one of them was always, you know, there would be reporters showing up from, like, Venezuela and Italy, and they were like, Roger, when's the NFL coming to Yemen? You know, and it's yeah. like, probably never, you know. But there would be that. There would be the Play 60 kid who did make his way into the press he conference did make this it, year. Yeah. Give, made the cut. Uh, yeah, I was happy Mike for Mike Florio didn't make the cut, but the Play 60 kid was there. I was, You know, he asked the hard-hitting question, uh, Roger, do you like football? I had a jersey, too. <laughs> what if he was just like, not really? Like, See, I, I, did I bring that <laughs> up to was you? Job. Was it you that I said this to yesterday about, like, I should enter my kid in the uh, Play 60 competition? He could be the, he'd be the Trojan horse for, like, you know. <laughs> just give him a loaded question. <laughs> Roger, what was it like when the movie Concussion came out? <laughs> How scared were you? Uh. <laughs> but I, I walked away. Okay, 
you know, news out of that. Yep. The NFL is going to play a Friday game in Brazil to mm-hmm. open the season, sending Eagles fans down to Brazil, which is like which could be interesting. its own special kind of yeah. uh, volatility. Um, he doesn't think that really they did anything wrong with gambling, even though he said it was bad, and now they're in Vegas. He doesn't seem to appreciate the I mean, irony the, the con- like For anybody who hasn't read the comments, too, they are legitimately a 180. From what they, I mean, there was a. Yeah. I had this in my column this week. Like in 2012, he was asked about threats to the integrity of the game. And he <laughs> said gambling would be number one. He didn't just say gambling, he said gambling would be number one. <laughs> and so, like, you look at the comments over the years, how they fought against it being legalized in New Jersey, and even the actions of the owners. Like, you know, I, David Tepper was really smart for doing this. Like, he bought in. The reason he bought in when he bought in was like, oh, the gambling money is going to make the valuations of these teams explode. Yeah. So I'm going to get in right now, right as the states are starting to legalize it, and my team's going to be worth double or triple what it is now a few years down the line. And you see the price of the team. I mean, he paid what? I think it was 2275, right? And then the Broncos go for 465 and the Commanders go for 605. It's going to be worth so much money. I can just throw drinks on people and no one will care. <laughs> yeah. 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 Good for him. Yeah. So, so there was that and then there was, I think, my favorite line. So I just tweeted it completely without context, which was, I think our officials are doing a great job. <laughs> it's just, it's one of those things where, and I'm not staking political ground here, but during the pandemic, right, you would have arguments of people on the opposite side of the fence as you, yeah. and, and there was just no seeing it your way. That's like, that's the world he lives in. Officials right. are doing a good job. It's not a bad thing that we're gambling. He said, I don't hear from people, I don't really hear from people that think that the NFL is fixed on a gambling right. scale. He must be on a completely different social media network than I am. You know, maybe, yeah. he's, maybe he's on Truth Social. I don't know. But, you know, to me, and I wrote this, like, I feel like we've exhausted the need for this. I'll never give up an opportunity to ask questions of the commissioner. Yeah. But, like... What are we trying to do? But you know, like the, pro- you know? the problem is you, nothing is candid, right? Right. Nothing is like, like I could tell you, I could have told you, a ha- you could have given me the list of questions a half hour before, and I could have given you the answer to almost every one of those questions. Yeah. Now, maybe not specific, but I'd be like, okay, he used fake data here. He double talked here. Yeah. Like I could tell you exactly what he was going to do right on down the line. And I mean, it's even to... You know, Mike Silver, our buddy, did a great job with this. Um, where in the San Francisco Chronicle, he wrote off of the whole issue with the practice fields. We can get into that in a second. And Roger at one point said, well, we went in and they graded like within the range of what our games have um, right. been played at, right? So Silver got a hold of the score. And if you read Silver's <laughs> story, right, there have been only two games that were in that range of score from the like in the, for the Niners since like Kyle Shanahan got there, and one of the games was that game in New Jersey where like three guys tore their ACL. <laughs> so like, I mean, it was just like it's you can't trust anything. You no. can't trust the data. You can't trust their numbers. Like I, I've seen two different sets of field data. Like it's you can't trust anything. You know, yeah. and it's just it's um, I, again like you want to get into the playing surface issue like situation we can we can flesh that out because there's a great example of it there but it's like i mean i don't know if i can say this on here or it's going to get it edited out shelby um you can do what you want with this don't piss on my head and tell me it's raining 
That's the title of Judge Judy's book. Did you know that? It's don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. Okay. Well, I was close. You and, G- you and Jim Harbaugh share an affinity Har- for Judge say, Judy. Yeah. I thought yeah. I knew that about you. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll get into turf in a second. Um, any, like, my only other closing thoughts here. So, <laughs> Roger Goodell practices for this, right? Yeah. It seems like it's such a ridiculous thing to imagine that he's sitting in a room and someone is like, hey, Roger, what do you think of Taylor Swift? And then they, like, <laughs> grade his answer on, like, yeah. how much he... He has asked about Taylor Swift three times. Yeah. Um, I think we've all established, you and I are in agreement that Taylor Swift is great. Yeah. Um, I obviously saved her from getting COVID and led the Chiefs to the Super Bowl right. last, so, year, like, last week. So you're welcome, Japan. Like, yeah. that concert welcome that's going to happen at the, yeah. end of the, at the end of the week happened because of Connor. Happened because of me. But... I, I think we've I think we've reached we've crossed the Rubicon now. The commissioner has been asked about it three times. Um, he had to like establish his Taylor Swift fan credentials. Right. I was like, uh, I was saying he went to two concerts. I, I believe it was right. He saw the Airs tour twice. Right. Do you think he's paying for those tickets? I mean, judging by the fact that they're all being held in his stadiums, probably right? not. I would say like he probably has. I mean, I, I don't know like. Does he have like maybe a special key card that gets him to what gets him into whatever stadium? He's like, um, I used to be in the Baseball Writers Association of America, and when I got my BBWA, oh, those card, are the real torchbearers now. You can you get your B, BBWA card? I think it's yeah BBWA yeah. Baseball Writers. No, isn't it like BBWAA? Is that what it is? Baseball Writers, Writers Association of America. Association of America. Okay, because yeah, because they say BB like they it's BBWAA because it's like because they count baseball as two words for some reason. I've heard that I've the heard, old uh, English baseball. Yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. But when I got that, I remember going home and telling. That means you have a Hall of Fame vote, doesn't it? I didn't. I wasn't in it long enough to get a Hall of Fame vote. Okay. But I remember like they were like, "This gets you into any ballpark in the country." Like, you just can walk up to the door and be like, check this out. It's like, like the Chipotle black card. Do you have, like, plus one? No, I don't maybe, you know. <laughs> but maybe that's what Roger Goodell is. He just has the, I don't know, not B B. Can I join the BBWA? He's like the I am C NFL. I am commissioner of NFL card where he just, like, shows up at, like, the Eras yeah. Tour and he can get in. If not, you think that guy's dropping, like, 1500 for Probably a family not. of four? Probably Is not. Is it two kids? Yeah. I think it's two daughters, yep. So that was who he said he went with. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would think that, I would think that, like, John Mara, when they came to, uh, to East Rutherford, probably I, welcomed them in. I would and love they're not, it. And they're, and they're not, I mean, they're not selling Mara's suite, I wouldn't think, for anything, right? Right. So he's got a place to sit. Can you imagine <laughs> if, like, Goodell, like, texts John Mara and is like, hey, you need, need ticks to Taylor Swift and Mara's Need ticks to TS. Need, need ticks to TS and then, uh, and then Mara just texts back, like, sorry. Smiley emoji. <laughs> sorry, new number, who dis, you yeah. know? Um, <laughs> but, doesn't want to hang out with him at the concert. <laughs> do you think he sings? Roger? What you, yeah, what do you think he does at those things? Probably sits... Still in fear of people taking pictures of him. Yeah. <laughs> Please God, no one. Yeah. Um, I, I guess that was. Unless you really found something like I, I thought that I thought that the moment that they were going to confront him with his words on gambling, of course he was prepared yeah. for it. 
but I thought that there was going to be some sort of like well, spice or fireworks. Or and there wasn't. Like I mean, and it was like, I mean, you could tell like, look, 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 and like you, you, I mean, you're joking about like them sitting there firing questions. I guarantee you they did that all last week. Yeah. I guarantee you like, I mean, this is, they treat him like he's the president. Which is the most insane thing. But it's like, if you saw security going into this place, like, they treat him like he's the president. There is no one in that stadium when we walked in there it's other true. than, like, some workers, us, right, and then the commissioner and the NFL PR people. There was no need for us to go through all the security checks we went through and get all the clearances we needed. But they did it, and it just, I couldn't help but think, like, this must be what it's like when they bring the media into the Oval Office where there's a legitimate reason to do all of that. Correct. So if they're doing that, then you know how they prepare presidents for their press briefings, right? And they sit at like a big round table and fire questions at them, right? I guarantee you it's the same thing, right? I would. I like the idea of like Goodell on a treadmill and like push it to the limits on and they're just yelling at him. They're like, Roger, gambling! And he's just like yelling back at them. It's uh, like, no, yeah. don't worry. I, I thought like... I think I might have got, like, so the one thing I did notice was, like, and I'm not taking credit for this guy. Like, Mike Florio deserves credit for, like, the reporting. Dropping it minutes before the press conference. I thought he reacted a little different to my question than the other questions. He had, like, some anger there. And I think that might have been because he couldn't prepare for that because it dropped. Again, not because of me, but because of Florio's reporting. It dropped right before. Um, And that, like, honestly, like, that's one launching a you're about the concussion crisis in, in, in football your concern is the media right your concern is you guys just keep telling people about all the bad things that are happening i mean i what about all the positives of concussions I, like it kind of like i'll be on i'll be honest like and we're just, we, we've joked around a bunch here about the press conference that kind of pissed me off because like i kind of like look at this and i'm like so my third grader played football for the first time this year, tackle football. We put a lot of thought into it, right? Yeah. And I wound up coaching because I want to make sure they're being taught the right way. And it's kind of my way of giving back to a sport that's given a lot to me. All right. The other two dads who are coaching are great guys. Always want to do the right thing. One's a teacher. The other one's a state cop. Phenomenal people. And we're really just trying to give the kids a good experience, right? And we had 13 kids out for the team. Love every one of them. I had such an awesome, like, it went from, like, I'll help out when I can because it's the fall yeah. to, like, me moving stuff around so I could coach. Right. Right? And, like, I think about the conversations I've had with so many other parents about, like, whether or not they're going to let their kid play. And what I always say to them is, I'm, I'm not here to, like, sell your kid on playing. I want, like, I'm going to give you the information. Right. Right? And then it's your decision. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm not here to be a salesman for the sport. Like, I love it. I got a lot out of it. I can tell you what I got out of it. But this is your decision. Yeah. Right? And I thought a lot about that when I saw what Florio reported because it's like, that's why they don't trust me. Right. That's why they wouldn't trust me. Yeah. Right? That's why a parent wouldn't trust me because a parent would see the people at the very top of the sport and all they're concerned about is how they're perceived. Yeah. And all they're concerned about is how this is going to affect their bottom line. They don't really care about the, exe- the, 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 the health of the sport at the bottom levels. They don't care about getting the right information to people. They care about getting their information to people. Correct. And it's like, it's like you're not helping in the end. Yeah. Like, you're protecting your bottom line for the time being. Yeah. But long term, like, that's just going to do more damage. And it's so short-sighted, and it's, so, it's not good for football. And 
I don't know, like that's my rant on it, but I, I think it's important that the NFL and anybody who's involved with football at any level is honest. Because that's the only thing that's gonna make people continue to play. Like, if I let my kid play and he gets hurt and then I find out I'm a, I've been lied to, I'm gonna tell 20 other kid, people not to tell them no to let their kids to play. Yeah. You know, and so I just think like, I mean, this is like, what was criminal about what they did in the 80s and 90s wasn't that people were hurt. It was that the wrong information was getting to the players. Right. Like the Elliot Pellman, Pellman thing, all that different stuff. Like the, what was, the reason why these guys are getting paid out now, the guys from the 80s and 90s, is because they were, people knowingly gave them the wrong information. Right. Right, knowingly gave them the wrong information. And I hope we're past that. But with some of this stuff, it definitely makes you wonder. Do you think, not, I'm not making light of what you just said, but yeah. you had mentioned him getting like a little bit angry and it made me think of, so I think what people don't realize sometimes is that like press conferences really do make people mad. Like they yeah. get mad. I was covering an NFL team once. And I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say what coach did it, but after uh, the guy that I worked with on the beat used to ask really funny repetitive questions about injuries that just yeah. drove the coach nuts and so after the press conference one day so he's like creative about it he would just be like you know he's like well he's out why is he out oh because he's not feeling good is it like a cold or like a bacteria infect you know like yeah. it would go like on and on like would it yeah. require antibiotics you know yeah. like that kind of thing and so the um my partner didn't ask any questions that day and the coach was leaving and he just looks at him and he goes, nothing from you today, dick. And then he just walks out the door. <laughs> and, like, I could see, like, he had that look in his face, Roger. had that look in his face, like, yeah. when he was looking at you. And in that moment, I was thinking, could, could, you take, could you take the commissioner if he came at you? Could you hold your own? I think you're about the same size. I could probably hold my own. I, I don't know about who would the win. Same size. I don't know who would win. He's older. So he might have the upper hand there. More experience. Right. And he had the bar fight. And I've been bar in bar fight. fights too. Yeah. So, I don't know. What's your record? Oh, God. Like if you were if you were in UFC? I don't know. I mean, I would say 500 probably. Okay. Well, no, no, no. I mean, like, oh, you mean as far as, like, the fights I was actually in? If I was in, if I, in. If, I, if I was in UFC, I would go zero for whatever. But yes. yeah, But, yeah, 500, I would say. Like one for one or, like, six for six? Like, what are we talking about? Um... Maybe like three and three or four and four. The most wow. embarrassing one, the most embarrassing one was like when I was, um, I was like 20, 24, 25. And I got in one and I, that's way too old to be getting in a fight. <laughs> I was going to say, that's not when you that's were like, in college. That's like beyond like, you know, like, you know, like there's an age, there's an age. There's I was like 38 and, you know, there, there's an uh, age, you know, kids there's, were there and, there's uh, an age, there's an age where it's cute to get arrested. You know what I mean? There's an age where it's funny when you get arrested, right? And then there's an age where it's like not oh, funny. It's not funny I'm anymore. I'm worried about him. It's yeah. not funny anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> 24, 25 is borderline. <laughs> so uh, I hit this kid. Like, in our defense, we didn't start it. It was at this place called The Last Drop in Brighton, Mass. And um, I swung on a kid and hit him in the back of the head. And in the back of the, so he wasn't even looking at you. No, but he was. It was. It, it was like a full scale. Like, kind of spilled out of the bar and. Good and so God. I broke my middle finger. What? And I have what's called a boxer's fracture. I haven't really told this story publicly. 
So <laughs> I had to go. If and anyone get, who is the, was there that night, just uh, my DMs are open on Twitter. Yeah. Can, so uh, like I got a boxer's fracture. So this is when I was like working the desk at like a suburban newspaper. <laughs> Middle finger is pretty important when it comes to that. And uh, sorry, I can't come into work today. I punched so, someone in the back uh, of the head. So yeah, I told them. <laughs> The best I could do was that I fell down the stairs in my apartment building. Oh, my God. It's not even a good excuse. No one believed it. So for, like, the next, like, whatever it was, four weeks, I was, like, typing with my left hand. <laughs> it's not good. It's not good. I love this. I think my buddy Josh was there. I was just like a bad... Yeah. Josh, at Conor on Twitter, and DMs are open. I'll give you a follow. I just need a dramatic account of... This wasn't good. ...everything. I'm 0 for 1. Are you? Where yeah. was it? Was it Syracuse? Syracuse. I yelled at someone. You know, you just got a few beers and you and you would sit on someone. You would sit on the porch wherever you're yeah. at and you would just yell at people on the street. Yep. And someone was like, "That's not funny," and just came running up and then stood in front of me and I was just like, "Well, there's only one thing I can do, and it's you, you gotta right. you gotta push the guy." And then you hope it's like, um, "Do you ever see Dazed and Confused? Yeah. The guy punches him and you're like, every fight only lasts one punch and people break it up. Yeah. And I was like, "Okay, this is what's gonna happen." Didn't happen. I just got to, I got wrecked. I came to in the hospital. So, mm-hmm. oh for one. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I do think it's like. So in this particular fight, I believe I was coming to somebody's defense. So I think that one's a little bit better than some of the other ones I was involved in, where it's just a pride thing. You know? I love that there was at least four of these. Yeah. Well, I was in a fraternity too, which is like, like all kinds of dumb stuff happens. So. I would love to see you. I mean, there was like one at like, so when I was pledging my fraternity, there was one that somehow spilled out. This bar was in the basement. It's called Two's. It's gone now. It's like a legendary like dive bar in Columbus. And um, somehow we got into a fight that was in a basement bar that spilled out into the middle of the street. <laughs> so like somehow the fight, and I, I, I may have been like a little, like my memory might be a little foggy of how that all happened. But somehow the fight, we made our way up the stairs and... You fought up spilled, the stairs. And it spilled into the street, yeah. I love this. Yeah. This is a very long way of saying that I think you could fight. I think you would beat the commissioner. Thank you. I would love... Golly. I mean, you talk about... He looked like, like he was ready to throw down yesterday. I would have loved it if he just walked out and he just got a little too close to you and went shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. That's what I would do. If I was the commissioner, I'd just be shoulder bumping everybody. Yeah, you know? he he's gotten a little testy with me. I I, I asked a um, the Dan Snyder thing was kind of interesting too. I remember asking him some pretty pointed questions about Dan Snyder. Um, and the great thing about it is like now it's almost like you listen to him talk about Dan Snyder, and he almost takes credit for like yeah. Dan Snyder. No, that was yeah. us. We didn't li- we didn't like him before you didn't like him. Right, yeah, right, don't worry. Right. Like where he was defending Dan Snyder for years and years and years. So anyway, all right, that. That concludes our recap of the Roger Goodell press conference. Um, I don't know how we got to, like, the last drop in 2004. If you're just joining us, Albert said he could kick his ass. No big deal. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So for those of you who don't know, Media Night is where we all go into a big stadium and we try to interview people in front of 30,000 screaming people. Right. I was with someone who asked a woman how much she paid to get in there last night. How much do you think that someone pays to get into a stadium to watch reporters interview NFL players? I think, think at one point, wasn't it like 15 bucks or something? It was $38. $38 to watch me try to take a picture with Carrot Top. I don't know. Carrot Top was there. And I wanted to ask, talk to Carrot Top. Let me ask you this. So how many people were there last night? Probably 20,000. You think that many? Okay. So like, let's say it's 20. So just to round it up to make the math easy. So I say 40 bucks a pop. How much money is that? That's... Boy, you're getting me into a dicey territory. Eight hundred thousand bucks. Jeepers. Right? Let me ask you this though: for that much money, right? Which is like divided by thirty-two, whatever that is, by team. So we're going to knock it back down, like to like twenty grand a team. Is it worth it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is it worth it to them for that eight hundred grand? Is it worth it where they could just create goodwill and let people in? Right. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is ridiculous. And you can make your money on concessions. I just think right? about, like... Like, if they let... If you... If... If they let you... If, if they just let people in and still charge them whatever, the 13 bucks for a Bud Light, people would be like, oh, that's nice of the NFL to do that. Yeah. So is it really worth it for that however much money to, to do that? God, we're killing the league today. I just think about, like... I mean, it's different. Like, we develop a cynicism a little bit because of what we do for a living. And I, I like my job. I'm not, you know, yeah. I really do. No, I love my job. But, I, I really do. But I was thinking about, like, I saw, like, kids on their dad's shoulders yesterday walking around, right? Yeah. And it's just like, you know, whatever. You take a family photo from that event, and it's like, son, this was the day that you watched Connor Orr from Sports Illustrated try to interview Brian yeah. Greasy, the quarterback's coach of the 49ers. And I knew from that day on you would be a great football I mean, media per content provider <laughs> i i uh you know what like i i actually like and i i've had my fun making fun of the people that go but like for some people i'm sure it's the closest you're ever gonna yeah, get to patrick get to, get, and get to the super bowl right like yeah. so i get to walk in the super bowl stadium i get to see the field i get to see all the stuff that i'm gonna watch on sunday and i don't have how whatever the get-in price is now 10 grand to drop on a ticket but i can bring my kid to come and see the spectacle and have a fun night you know, like, I, that's nice. So why can't the NFL just give that away? Yeah. 
And they probably get more people, which is what they want. They want this to look like an event. I always liked, uh, you know, at the beginning of the Super Bowl, right, they show all the 38 famous, bucks, like that's just like freaking obnoxious. Feels like a lot. That's obnoxious. I like it, like during the Super Bowl last year, like it's LA, right? So it's the Hollywood Super Bowl and they start flashing. The last the, year was Arizona. Fa- or Arizona, oh my gosh. Where does the time go? LA was two years, two years ago. ago yeah. Remember that? I was there. Um, and they start showing all the famous people on the billboard, right? And I'm like, oh, LA, right? This is going to be star studded. And I'm like, I'm, and in my back of my head, I'm like, all right, what stars are paying for Super Bowl tickets, right? Like, that's what I was, yeah. I was throwing down 10 grand. And then the crowd goes nuts, and I look up at the billboard, and it's Seal. And I was like, you can, From the you 90s? Find him. I was like, I love Seal. Kiss by Rose is a great song. Uh, but like, I was like, this is the most well, famous. This is who you're leading with. When was the last the time? What was, what was the last time anybody had talked about Seal? I guess you could say the same thing about Tracy Chapman, and now everyone's fast carring it up. Yeah, but know? that was a little different, though. Like, that was like, if Seal was performing, then yeah, like, that'd be nice. Seal but. is definitely, there's definitely like a Seal concert somewhere around here. Right oh, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. I want to talk about two things with you. Right next to the Def Leppard concert. And Brett Michaels from Poison is playing this week, too. How oh, jacked nice. are you? I love that. it. I love it. Every rose has its thorn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. We got to talk about two things here. One, we got to talk about the game. Yep. But for five minutes, I want to talk to you about turf. Yep. Because this is what people come to us for. The 49ers field is trash, and it's the funniest thing in the world. Like, and uh, the reporting from the San Francisco Chronicle, right, they want, like, a score between something like 79 and 87, and this is, like, what, a 40-something? It's like 44 it's like It's like my f- college French grade. Yeah, this is... And again, like Roger Goodell said, it was, like, in the range of some of our games. What, what he didn't say is, like, it was, like, the, the, the game at MetLife. You know the one at Hurricane Irene? <laughs> yeah. uh, that one. Uh, so it's fine. You can do that. Yeah, the game, the game at MetLife where, like, 13 guys were out for the year. And even to hear them describe it, it's like, okay, we, okay so here's your – like, so uh, the Chiefs are going to be at the Raiders where real yeah. NFL team practices. You're going to the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, which is kind of over here, and, and there's kind of a fake field, but we're going to put a real field on top of it and then slap some dirt in between it like, like jelly in a, between two pieces of bread, and it'll be fine. <laughs> like, it's going to be good. Don't worry. I mean, we've never installed a shitty field before. And so, it just you know. so happens that the team that might be most militant about <laughs> yeah. playing services yeah. in the league yeah. happens to wind up there. If something were to happen, I mean, if you're Kyle Shanahan, you can't. If someone gets hurt over the next three days, something gets hurt. Yeah. I mean, holy crap! Right. Like, how? How do you allow that to happen? You know? Because they don't care about stuff like that. They say they do, but like I, again, like I would respect it more if Roger got up there and said on the turf grass debate, "These are business decisions. We have 32 businesses." They are not nonprofits. Yeah. They are for-profit businesses. We're doing our best to make the most money we can. Because at the root of all of this, and like they should be sensitive to it because they should know how many players are bullshit over the fact that like they're being forced to play on turf in places like Nashville and Charlotte. <laughs> like where the sun's out. We can we can handle this. Right. We can grow grass. Right. So I mean I if we're gonna call it what it is, right? And I'll try to fire through this really quick. The teams cost so much. The stadiums are so expensive that owners now feel like 
it's on us to monetize the stadium in every possible way. It's like Jerry putting a freaking swim meet in the rodeo and the and boxing matches at 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 AT&T Stadium, right? And what that does is it makes it much harder to grow grass, right? And much more expensive to grow grass. So more or less what these guys have done is throw their hands up and say, "You know what? Can't do it." Sorry. Sorry. No grass here. When we've seen in European soccer where they are mandated to have grass, clubs over there finding ways to do it. And finding, I mean, you've seen what, ha- what, what Real Madrid has, right? If you can grow grass in England without sun, you well, should be able to grow grass in New Jersey. Well, Real Madrid, you've seen the Real Madrid system? No. All right, I'm going to have to show that to you because they have a, their field legitimately goes underground. And there are grow lamps and sprinklers underneath the stadium. Like the kid who grows weed in college. <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore. You can just buy in his it. Closet, yeah. But yeah, in the fish tank in his in his in his closet. Yeah, yeah I, the kids the, 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 like, kid, yeah. the kids out there probably don't understand why college kids used to buy these things called grow lamps. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Hell yeah. Real Madrid was like, yeah, let's bro, do that, bro. Do you see all like the red hairs sick, on this? It's dude. like the, it's the angle that I grew them under the lamps. <laughs> so sick. Um, this is like really dope. Um, <laughs> I, uh, uh, but uh, I, but but yeah, I mean, I, I like, I think it's a good example. If like you look at what some of the European clubs have done, and you look at what the Green Bay Packers have done, right? There's proof that if you if you pay if you spend enough, you can you can find a manageable answer, right? And there's not I'm not saying there's a perfect answer out there, but these guys clearly like to play on, clearly want to play on grass. You yeah. know what I mean? And. They tell you how they feel, and we have the injury situations on turf. And, I mean, it's like, again, like, it's just tell us what it is. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't benefit you financially to sink what it would cost to maintain a grass field in this environment or that environment because you're putting 10 million events in the stadium. Yeah. Tell us what it is. Like, the, it's not because the data is showing you the turf is more effective. That, that's, not, that's not what it is. It's a business decision. And that's what it's always been. And I, I just wish it's like you're the, again they're lying to you. You know, we can use the uh, the Judge Judy line again if you want. In Goodell's defense, I live in New Jersey and I can't grow grass. My right. front yard is it. So it looks like. What's the difference between the Packers and the other thirty-one? I thought you were going to say what's the difference between the Packers and my front yard. No, but what's the difference between the Packers and the other thirty? Owned by fans. They have no owner, so there's no one to pocket the difference. So the money's going to go back into the team anyway. So they put money into maintaining a really great grass surface where I can't remember the last time someone complained about the field at Green Bay. Yeah. Which is really interesting because that's probably the worst climate in the league. Yeah. Right? So Buffalo is putting in grass. I give them credit for that, right? I, I just think it's like for so long we've been, we've been lied to about this. And um, I'm not saying grass surfaces are perfect, but you know, Roger even had a line. Did you, did you catch that? Well, he, when people were asking about torn ACLs, he's like, oh, the majority of which that happened on your precious grass? No, it was, a, it, it was like when the complaints about the Niners thing came up. He goes, he goes, oh, yeah, on that grass field? Yes. It's like, you jackass. On the grass field we made for you? <laughs> on the grass field? I can't that, make you happy. On the, on, the in, in, on the inadequate sod that we laid down over the turf just for the Niners. He, like, shows his hand, and it's, like, green from, like, the... Uh, he's like, I laid this myself. So here's the real smoking gun. the grass. Here's the real smoking gun. 
Roger been, Goodell you, uses weed and feed. You've been to you've been you've been to, you've been to like probably almost all the practice facilities across the league, right? And seeing like yes. where they okay. How many teams practice on outdoor turf fields? Like none, <laughs> zero. I was gonna say, like I'm it's trying to. Thirty two out of thirty. I know the Jets have one, and I've never. And they don't seen use, them use it. it. They yeah. don't use it. Yeah, it's thirty two out of thirty two. Now, if you think about that logically, right? Okay, if you are a football coach and you're trying to get your team ready to play on Sunday, wouldn't the best way to get them ready to perform be to put them on the surface that they're playing on? And yet, teams that have outdoor grass field turf fields do not use them even in weeks when they're going to be playing on turf. Teams don't go in their field houses and practice on turf when they're playing in a dome. They stay outside in the grass. Why? Because the wear and tear it puts in their players to be on turf. I feel like... So it is so... There is such a difference that football coaches are actively taking their, their players off the surface that they're going to play on Sunday and putting them on grass, practicing for a game. Don't piss on my head and tell me it's raining. I feel like how I felt when I found out the moon landing was fake. This is just crazy. Isn't just that kidding. right, though? Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, think about it. No one practices we landed on, on the turf. Moon. Kidding. Yeah. Okay. I'm preparing my team to play on field turf on Sunday. I'm going to put them on grass. Why? You should. We should clip that part and play it behind like sinister well, music, and if, then put a picture if, of Goodell's face in black and white. If turf is so safe, nah, nah, nah. if turf is so safe, then why did they have to lay the sod over the turf fields at UNLV? This is a hard week for big turf. They're taking it right, <laughs> taking it right in the grapes. One of my best friends sells artificial turf. Big turf? Yeah. Man. Um, with the last five minutes that we have together, yep. give me one thing that you're looking for on Sunday. And I'll say this, Gilberto and Matt are going to be back with the Thursday show. Yep. They're going to do a nice, healthy, heaping Super Bowl preview, so give that a listen. We're going to dunk Gilberto in the pool. We're we're going we're moving into we're a bachelor hazing, pad we're, by the way. We're, we're hazing him. Yeah, Albert and I are moving into so a bachelor pad. I found next out week. that bachelor pad. Connor doesn't know this yet. Is belongs to the brother of a friend of mine. Or what? No, 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 no. The brother of a friend of a friend of mine. Yeah, brother of a friend of a friend of mine. What? Yep. I'll okay. tell you who after, but yeah. Okay. We have we have a putting green. We do. We have a pool. We do. Anything else? We got like a cold plunge or anything? I, I, I mean, are you looking for different ways to, ha- to, to haze Gilberto then? I just heard that Gilberto is going in the pool. I forgot my trunks. Point. He is, okay. I hope he, I hope he forgot his trunks. That's the whole point of throwing yeah. someone in the pool. Anyway, they're going to do a great job. A little bit of a healthier, heftier Super Bowl preview. But I want one thing that you're thinking about going into the game on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think of like the, um, the pressure that's on the Niners. You know, yes. how they're going to react under it. Um, when I was doing my roster, every year I do a roster breakdown of the four conference finalists. And one thing, and I, the way I do it is I do, you know, I break down homegrown players, free agents, trades, all of that. And then you know, I'll do the top um, five cap numbers on the roster and mm-hmm. then the last five first-round picks. And the top five cap numbers was interesting. So the biggest cap number on the Niners roster is like $12.5 million. What? Yep. And they have nine guys making $14 million a year or more. So what does that tell you? They have the vintage Patriots makeup. They're mortgaged, yeah. Yeah. So, like, that doesn't mean these things are solvable. You can take one year and reset it. You can start to offload guys. 
But I think it does show you that the, as far as this particular group goes, again, and they have to draft well to replace them eventually and all that, this group isn't going to get a ton, ton more cracks at it, you know? Yeah. And a lot of those guys, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, Trent Williams wasn't there, uh, Debo was, Ayuk wasn't, right? So there are certain guys who were there four years ago. You know, now you go into this game and you get that pressure on you, and there's what happened in the game too. And so, you know, like Mahomes, I think Mahomes has gotten to the point where he has the same effect on teams that Brady does, right? Where Brady, I always felt like one of his big strengths was he could play like crap for two quarters, for three quarters, and put on put his foot in the ground and, right. and make it all not matter, right? So, like, I, I always thought it was like it, you almost could call him an eraser. Like yeah. you could play three great quarters and he could erase it. Right. That's what happened four years ago. Like three and a half quarters in, the Niners like handled that. Like, we're handling that. Yeah. Nick Bosa was probably the MVP. The ball goes off Emmanuel Sanders' hands. He catches that ball. Maybe the game is over. And Mahomes legitimately erased it. So that's what's so interesting about this one to me. It's like the Niners could outplay them for two, two and a half, three quarters. Where's their head in the fourth quarter? Yeah. With the pressure that's on them, with what happened four years ago. So I think there's a psychological element to totally. all this that's really, really interesting. I am looking so – one of the things, and I have a story coming out about this this week. Um, Kyle Shanahan, when a passing play goes into the 49ers playbook, it has to have answers to 600,000 questions. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So the play goes in, I want to run this. His offensive coordinator says, I want to run this. Well, what happens if this guy does this? What happens if this guy does that? His process gets further complicated against someone like Steve Spagnolo who has such a library of previous big games, yeah. previous games against him, previous games against teams who have run outside zone, all of that. So how far back into the Rolodex is Kyle going to have to go to put his game plan together? And Spags, like, I feel like he's the one that's got this game teed up because yeah. he doesn't have to worry. Like, yeah, yes, obviously he has to worry about the Super Bowl, but he's the one that's playing from a position of power here. Yeah. He's got the biggest library of film out of any of the coordinators in this game. He could he could run 2008 Giants stuff and and we so don't So it's funny you bring that up. Right? The 08 Giants like the three safety I, I cover I covered that game and um I remember part of it. There's actually like NFL films footage that catches this, right? And I've known Spax for a long time and like I I've talked to him about it a few times and um the way that he – so their determination was the Patriots are masters at changing on – basically adjusting to you. Right. Right. So Brady will – you see Brady with a protection call. Manning is great at this too, obviously. You see Brady with the protection call and then the route adjustments and all that different stuff. He looks out at the, – they break the huddle early. He looks out at the defense, and he's looking around, and, okay, like, 54 is the mic. Like, he's – like getting his receivers where they need to be, all of that, right? So what Spags did, which was genius, was he gave the defensive players two play calls. The first one was for before Brady started making adjustments, and then when Brady started like moving guys around and setting protections, they flipped into a second look. <laughs> and I mean, like that's a big reason why, like Brady got like when he, like post snap would be like, 
oh my God, I don't know what I'm looking at. And so I sort of think of like the, the Niners is another one of those teams that's like so good at playing on your tendencies and messing with you. If Spags can show one tendency and then play to another one, I think it's real. And I think Spags has the players to do it now yeah. too. You know, like they have so many smart, like versatile players, moving pieces. Like Sneed's a moving piece. McDuffie's a moving piece. Jones can play inside and outside. The safeties, you know, Justin Reed can come down and play linebacker. I'm really fascinated to see what Spagnuolo does. And the 08 Giants, I think, or the 07 Giants, technically. It was the 08. Right. Super Bowl was in 08. Um, Really, I think that you could look at that game, whatever it was, 15 years ago. Holy crap, I'm old. 16 years ago. um, That was back when you were fighting people. No, 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 no. That was a, I matured. I, that was a few years after that. Not too many years, but a few years after that. Um, but, I, but I think like there is some, something instructive about the way that game went in, in February of 08 that you can glean into how he might game plan the, the Niners here. He might not even play defense at all, right? Don't even put anybody out on the field. That'll really mess with everybody. Uh. Well, thank you, Albert. Uh, Thank you guys for uh, sticking with us through Super Bowl week. Like we said, we got Matt and Gilberto coming on Thursday, and then we will be back uh, either Monday or Tuesday to recap the Super Bowl. I'm connecting in Indianapolis. I got a six-hour layover on the way home on Monday. I'll tape that whole – I'll talk all day. Flying Southwest. Flying Southwest, so I think I'm midway. I'm going to be St. Elmo's. I'm going to get my my shrimp cocktail. cocktail, Is it uh, Harry and Izzy's or St. – I think it's Harry and Izzy's. St. Harry and Izzy's is at the the airport. Which is St. Elmo's, yeah. So, all right. Thanks, Albert, and thank you guys, and uh, we will see you after the Super Bowl. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.